Are you working? What kind of work do you do? What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Third and Forever with Tyler Haskins. I'm your host, with the most, Tyler Haskins. Uh, we just got the Monday morning pump in, and we're feeling good. It's going to be a good day. It's going to be a great week. Uh, but I'm tired. Your boy is tired and exhausted, man. Long weekend in Kansas City at the 2023 NFL Draft. Uh, but a great experience, man. A lot of fun down there and a uh, good time just to be around the, the fans and all these all these people who come out from all over the country, and they show their pride very well, believe me. Um, but big NFL recap day today. Obviously, we haven't been on with a whole podcast since last week. Um, you know, we didn't do a whole lot in the second half of last week due to all the content we're putting out on Twitter and TikTok. Uh, go follow at T underscore Hask, H-A-S-K 21, and then on TikTok uh, at 3rd and Forever T Haskins to see a lot of those draft videos, reactions to draft picks. Um, you know, different types of content about, you know, who won this day, who won that day of the draft and who's the steal, who's someone to watch out for. So we got a whole bunch of that content out there on Twitter and TikTok. So uh, keep on tuning into that and, and keep it locked right there. But overall, I mean, going back to last week and just NFL recap real quick, Aaron Rodgers is officially a New York Jet. Uh, you know, we, we've talked about that already uh, on here, but he got introduced officially last week and not going to speak too much on them, but the deal's done. It's official. And, uh, you know, the Jets, one, one of the picks that I liked that they had uh, this weekend was round two, I believe it was, where they took Joe Tipman, uh, rookie center out of Wisconsin, right? And you see him going second round. You're like, okay, you know, he's, he's definitely going to play and going to start. This is going to be Aaron Rodgers' starting center, most likely in New York. Um they're they're doing it right, and it was it was very questionable on night one, I think, with the Jets because they went and took an edge rusher uh, and Will McDonald. Uh, but you know, Aaron Rodgers still, and all the moves that they made with free agency and trades and everything, they've got them weapons. They've got a good supporting cast already that they had offensively and defensively. Um, he's got it cut out. He's got his work cut out for him, you know. And you know, he's he's there at the Knicks game yesterday for game one between the Knicks and the Heat. And hey, just enjoy the the peacefulness and. You know, the welcoming attitude from New York while you can, big fella, because the moment, the moment something goes wrong, they're going to eat you alive, bro. I promise you. But uh, not a whole lot to say about him. Um, what there is a whole lot to say is my boy got paid, bro. The boy got paid. LJ got paid and the Ravens got Zay. <laughs> Look. The Ravens went and had a heck of a day on Thursday, man, because out of nowhere, I mean, we were down in Kansas City, like kind of prepping, like, you know, it was, it was kind of a hassle. Like it was really uh, busy Thursday afternoon leading up to Thursday night for round one. And, um, you know, we're, we're sitting there scrambling and had a few minutes to kind of chill and get over to uh, to the draft experience and U Union Station there in Kansas City where the draft was set up just to see everything. And as we walking down the street, like almost dropped the phone. So I'm screaming like <laughs> in the middle of the crosswalk, like, yo, he got paid. He got paid. <laughs> I'm, I'm so happy, baby, because this man, Lamar Jackson, is not the highest paid player. As of right now, it's going to change. It is what it is. But he, as of right now, is the highest paid player in the NFL, right? Jalen Hurts just got paid not long ago. And Lamar got his deal done. He is now making $52 million a year. Uh, I believe it's a five-year, $260 million deal. So $52 million a year. I want to say about 185, I believe, is guaranteed of that. I have to check that, but 185 million guaranteed. 
obviously not the fully guaranteed deal, but I think it shows the truth in what Lamar Jackson has wanted, has been help, okay? He has wanted help and a supporting cast, all right? He requested trade in early March. Eric DaCosta, I got to give it to you. You know, they've they've always been good in that that spot, in that GM spot, of course, with the great Ozzy Newsome and, you know, Eric DaCosta being underneath him for years and then coming up and taking role of this, uh, this GM job for the Ravens. Uh, he did it right. You know, he, he found a way to, to get Lamar some weapons. We go and get Odell Beckham Jr. in free agency, signed him to a one-year deal. Um, and then Thursday night, they went and drafted the receivers Zay Flowers out of Boston College in the first round. I love that pick. You know, I I was really hoping, and I was I was crushed when the Seahawks took Jackson Smith and Jigba at pick number 20 because it was shocking to me that no receivers had gone off the board until pick 20. And as we're getting close, I'm close. Okay, I'm like Seahawks twenty, Chargers twenty one, Ravens twenty. So we we may get an opportunity at JSN here. Fortunately, we didn't. But my second option that I would have liked to have would have been Zay Flowers, and we did that. I'm glad we went receiver round one to get Lamar some more help. So now you're looking this this cast around him. You're you're talking about a new offensive coordinator and Todd Munkin bringing him in from Georgia. So you take out Greg Roman's you know twelve thirteen personnel base. You slate in some more eleven. A little bit of 12, maybe more some 10, uh, but a lot of 11 personnel spreading that offense out and a lot more pass heavy instead of run heavy, right? This this guy's got things he wants to do with Lamar and to use Lamar's arm, right? And this is nice because Lamar, of course, is, is a threat through the air and on the ground, but Lamar has done too much on the ground because of Greg Roman's offense in the past and because he hasn't had the weapons in Greg's, Greg Roman's offense to you know attack down the field in the passing game. So because of that, he's had to put a lot of his offense, if not all of it, on his back and, you know, put himself out there where he's scrambling and he's trying to run. That's how he gets hurt, right? So I hope in this process, when you look at the weapons they've got, they got Odell Beckham Jr. now. They signed Nelson Aguilar in free agency. You still have Rashad Bateman there who's coming back from um, from uh, injury. And when he's healthy, he has the potential to be a number one receiver. So I'm excited about that. You go and you draft Zay Flowers. You still have Mark Andrews, uh, Isaiah Likely, another tight end who had a good – rookie year last year. So these guys, even uh, Devin Duvernay, when he comes back from injury, he's a he's a speedster as well and does well in the, in the return game on special teams. So Lamar's got a, a good supporting cast and probably the best supporting cast he's ever had in terms of receiving threats since he's been the guy in Baltimore. So I'm really excited to see what Todd Munkin does. I'm happy for Lamar that he got paid. Uh, happy that Zay Flowers is now Baltimore Raven. Uh, the Ravens had a pretty decent draft overall. I was, I was excited to get Caillou Blue Kelly uh, who fell to us in round five, uh, which I thought he'd go a little sooner than that. But the cornerback out of Stanford loved that pick because not sure where the Ravens are in terms of Marcus Peters right now. I don't think they're going to bring him back. So obviously we had to need it at corner. But uh, really happy with the Ravens did. But I just want to talk overall, you know, just teams and draft overall because uh, there were some teams who like really, really did it well this weekend. And I think one of the obvious ones that I got to like shout out right away Philadelphia Eagles, man. I mean, Howie Roseman, for the job that he's done as the GM of that football team in terms of like when you go all the way back to, you know, the Chip Kelly days and then there's Carson Wentz and uh, Doug Peterson ended up going and getting the Super Bowl. And I mean, these guys were just back in the Super Bowl this past year, of course. And I think they may have had the best, if not if not one of the best uh, drafts this, this weekend because – you know, they went out and honestly just recreated the Georgia Bulldogs defense uh, and the championship defense is that. I mean, these are guys that 
they already have, you know, Jordan Davis that they had drafted. Um, and then they go and they get Jalen Carter in the first round. Uh, they went actually they got Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith from Georgia in the first round. They had two first round picks. Uh, they ended up going getting uh, Keely Ringo, the corner from Georgia, later on on day three, which was shocking to me that he fa- he fell to day three. I thought Keely was a, a day two guy for so, but they go and get him from Georgia as well. Uh, guard Tyler Steen out of Alabama, Sidney Brown, the safety out of Illinois, played against him. He's he's a dog. Had a great uh, Senior Bowl showing in Mobile this off season. Uh, they they did it right, right in Philadelphia. You know, and also another thing that happened, I believe this was, I want to say it was Saturday this past weekend. Saturday on day three of the draft, they went and traded and got uh, DeAndre Swift from the Lions. So you bring him in and add him to a running back room where you already got Rashad Penny this offseason from Seattle. Uh, Kenneth Gainwell is still there. You lose Miles Sanders, um, but you still have Boston Scott. You got good depth in that running back room right now uh, in a lot of ways to be able to, you know, attack defenses. Uh, through your run game, which obviously was second to none and very, very good for them, along with their quarterback, Jalen Hurts, as well. So Philadelphia had a really good draft, um, you know, did well. Seattle Seahawks, I was I was loving what they were doing, and I gave them props. And you, you can go check out on the Draft Network uh, live stream. There's replays of the live stream. Uh, we did a live stream Friday night for day, day two of the draft for rounds two and three, um, and myself and other uh, analysts and scouts on the draft network were, you know, live uh, reacting to, um, you know, all the day two stuff going on. And I was praising the Seahawks. And as we're on the live stream, then they go and they take Zach Charbonnet in round two. Now, a lot of people's boards, I think Zach Charbonnet, the running back out of UCLA, a lot of people's boards, I think he was running back three behind uh, B. John Robinson and John Mary Gibbs. And, I agree. Like I thought he was running back three, but there's no way that I thought he would go at pick 52 in round two of all of all things. And so when the Seahawks took him, the biggest question I had was you just took Kenneth Walker last year. Like a rookie running back who had a heck of a year, big back like Kenneth Walker had a, a heck of a rookie season runner up for offense rookie of the year, I believe. But you not only had to go get Zach Charbonnet, another running back at pick 52, Later on in the seventh round, they go get Kenny McIntosh out of Georgia for the national championship team Bulldogs this past year. And I was like, "What are y'all doing in terms of running back? Like, do you what? What did Kenny Walker do? <laughs> what What has he done? Do y'all not like him that that quick? Like, he had a great year, and then they go and get these running backs like that. And this was after they had gotten cornerback Devin Witherspoon out of Illinois with the uh, the fifth overall pick, which I liked. I thought it was a good pick. And for the Seahawks defense, and you talk. A lot of the cover three that they sit in, you know, you go and put him with uh, the guy like Tariq Woolen. And, I mean, Tariq didn't, didn't go that early last year. But, um, you know, Devin, Devin Witherspoon, you know, just my prior knowledge of knowing Illinois and playing Illinois, like they do a lot of man coverage. And while I believe Devin Witherspoon is a complete DB, not just a corner, uh, there's a lot of times where I think, you know, it may not be best for him to be in man coverage. So I think that going to Seattle really fits a lot for him. Um, and, you know, they consider that cover three that they always like to run that, you know, Richard Sherman sat in for, for years and Tariq Woolen's doing the same thing. Uh, they went and got Jackson Smith and Jigba, as I previously mentioned, at pick 20. Um, and that you look at you look at the weapons that Geno Smith has. They, they signed Geno Smith after winning comeback player of the year this offseason to a three-year deal. And now you go and he's got DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett and now Jackson Smith and Jigba. Like, 
they're they got the airway going. And then you got a backfield with Kenneth Walker already and now Zach Sharpenet, you know. And the thing about running backs, and one thing that we learned about we learned a lot about the draft this week, you know, and a lot about the league in, in general about the NFL. I think we all had like an idea that the valuation of running backs in the NFL has gone down because everyone's like, oh, you don't want to take a running back that high. Or, you know, you can't always rely on running backs because their window is so short. They get run down so easily. You want to look out for guys who had, you know, kind of a a strenuous career where they got a lot of wear and tear on their legs already coming into the league, uh, who've been starters for years in college. But we saw two running backs go in the first round. We knew B. John Robinson was going to go in the first round. And the funny thing about it was there was a point months ago where there was a conversation that maybe Bijan doesn't even go in the first round. But Bijan went top 10. I think it went eight overall was the number uh, to the Atlanta Falcons. And then we see the Lions who had two first round picks and they had an interesting draft as well because they were they were just doing what was best for them. Maybe not best in our eyes as, as fans and like analysts and scouts, but they did what was best for them in their drafts. And they're going to get Jamir Gibbs, I believe, pick 12. And I wrote an article earlier uh, earlier this year for um, just advocating for John Mary Gibbs because I love what he did as not only a running back and um, you know a runner out the backfield, but a pass catcher out the backfield because he was basically wide receiver one for Bryce Young out of uh, out of Alabama this past year. And so with him, like I, I could have seen him going to the Eagles because you know to pair him with the offense they have already would have been you know phenomenal. Well, the Lions, after losing Jamal Williams in free agency this year to um, to New Orleans, and then, um, well, they, they picked Jamir Gibbs first on Thursday night, and then they lost DeAndre Swift to the, the Eagles on Saturday. So you look at that that running back room in Detroit, uh, it's Jamir Gibbs, and they signed David Montgomery from Chicago um, as a free agent this, this offseason as well. So and the valuation of running backs is still there in the NFL. It is because – Nowadays, we saw, we saw this perfectly with uh, Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard in Dallas. You cannot just roll with one running back these days. One, one guy cannot handle the workload all the time. Like, rarely are we seeing guys like getting the the 20, 25 carries every single game anymore. Like, they're going to be splitting carries and there's going to be like a two man backfield moving forward because these guys get so much wear and tear on their legs too easily. And then you're not able to use them after they don't last. And when you're talking about getting return on investment, you can't get a return on investment in your draft pick and in your player if they're not there for you know you know X amount of years. If they're there less than you know what the rookie deal is, or they're there less than they don't even make it to a second contract in the first place. So we thought that because of that reason, there was going to be a less valuation. You wouldn't see as many come off the board or come off the board that early, but we still did, right? So that tells me. The NFL still does value running backs. They really do. We also learned that the NFL values a lot of D-linemen, D-linemen, edge rushers, uh, interior D-line, all of that stuff, because we saw a lot going round one, round two even, that you know were questionable picks for me. Like, I know Vegas took Tyree Wilson at number uh, number seven overall, and I, I figured Tyree would go early. I thought it was a top ten pick, had potential to do that, but – I thought the Raiders may go somewhere else with it. You know, I thought they may take a quarterback. They didn't take one until later on. Um, I can't remember exactly which one they took. I want to say it may have been Aiden O'Connell out of Purdue. But the the Raiders took him early. The Jets, as I mentioned earlier, they took uh, Will McDonald at number 15 overall, which was really questionable to me. 
Um, you know, the Packers go and get edge rusher Lucas Van Ness with a 13th overall pick, um, which that one I wasn't surprised by. I knew it was going to happen. They, they were either going to go Van Ness at, at edge rush or they were going to go tight end at that pick. They end up going to get two tight ends later on after that. But they go and get Van Ness. And like I said, I wasn't surprised about it, but it still, you know, didn't fit the the needs in my opinion for i still don't think it was like the best pick in the world but we saw that we saw will mcdonald go for the jets uh at pick 15 the new orleans saints they actually with two first round picks um not not two first round picks sorry um wait did it they they might have had i might have to check that because i think they may have had two first round picks maybe don't don't quote me on that because i'm i gotta check on that real quick but i believe if i'm if i'm not mistaken they did get um, Brian Brisset at the end of the first round. That's what it was. They did get Brian Brisset, I'm sorry, at a Clemson with the uh, the first round pick. Then they go and get Isaiah Foskey out of Notre Dame in the second round. So they were going all in on D-line for the first two rounds. And one thing I thought was interesting, just with like the Saints and the rest of the NFC South teams, especially with the, uh, the Panthers and the, um, the Atlanta Falcons, there was a time in round two where we saw those three teams pick back to back to back. And it was like, okay. And I think the Saints actually traded up to get a pick after, you know, the uh, Falcons or the Panthers, whoever went. And it was interesting because it was like, all right, here's your division opponents. You see what they're doing ahead of you. So let me trade up and go ahead and counter move you right, right away. As soon as you make your pick, I'm coming right here with this afterwards. And we saw that with the Falcons because their second round pick, I want to say they went after uh, Matthew Bergeron, the tackle from Syracuse. And they did that after getting B. John Robinson in the first round at number eight overall. So that tells me, I look at the Falcons, they need they need defenders, period. They need a corner. I, I think they ended up getting one later on, but I thought they should have taken one earlier. They needed more interior D linemen. They needed a lot of help on the D line. But their first two picks were running back and offensive tackle. And that tells me that Arthur Smith, the head coach and offensive coordinator for the Falcons is getting ready to lose his job this year. I'm going to just call it for what it is. And the reason is because Arthur Smith's offense reminds me a lot of Greg Romans with the Ravens, former offensive coordinator for the Ravens. I went, I, I watched and I worked a, uh, a Ravens game in Baltimore last year uh, on Christmas Eve where they played the Falcons and watching the two offenses together, <laughs> a Tyler Huntley, Hey, pro bowl quarterback, Tyler Huntley Ravens led offense versus the Falcons offense and Desmond Ritter. It's like night it's it's the same thing basically. Not not night and day, but it's like it's the same concept of the offense. Uh, maybe you have a lot more of the weapons in the Falcons offense cuz they have like Drake London and Kyle Pitts, but these offenses are run first and they run heavy and to see the picks that the Falcons made, you go Bijan number 1 and it's not a bad pick because obviously Bijan Robinson in my opinion is the number 1 uh probably probably best running back prospect we've seen in the last 10 to 15 years. Like number one overall out of like guys like Saquon and like all of that, like dating back to that. So it's not a bad pick. Like you're not going bad with Bijan. You just had other needs that may have been a lot more important at that time. But they go Bijan, they go tackle. And I'm like, all right, you've got a run heavy emphasis already on this offense. And you're just – you're, you're already like ascending that basically that that trend is ascending with these first two picks for your class. And I see that I'm like, you're going to get fired, Arthur Smith. 
Because your offense is not – you're going to stink. Just bottom line, you're going to flat out stink. They had Tyler Algier last year who rushed for 1,000 yards as a rookie, but apparently I guess they don't like him because they go and get Bijan, right? But now you got you got two running backs, complimentary running backs in the backfield. You're running a lot of this 12 personnel. You don't. You probably don't have all the trust in the world in uh, now second-year man Desmond Ritter at quarterback. And you're just wasting guys' careers such as Drake London and Kyle Pitts. I mean, you've got real legitimate threats. Kyle Pitts was a guy that they took fourth overall, I believe, when he came out. And they're just getting wasted. Guys are just out there to block because I don't think they trust Ritter. And I think Ritter is going to take a lot of the blame for it, for how they're going to perform offensively. I don't think they're going to perform well. But you look at what the Saints do after that, and they go and get someone like Isaiah Foskey afterwards. And why? Because they're seeing, okay, we're, we're trying to win this division. Like the Saints became the favorite to win the division once they got Derek Carr. They were a team who was a quarterback away because of the threats they got on offense and the defensive line they have and the defense as a whole that they have. They're ready to go win a division and win. And you draft to win your division. And the Panthers, they were going aerial attack. They took Bryce Young with the first overall. They got him a receiver with their second overall pick in Jonathan Mingo. Um, the Falcons, they were going run heavy. And I believe the Bucks, even the Bucks, made some picks that were kind of like, yeah, because I think they got Cody Mock out of uh, at North Dakota State. Yeah, so it was like they're going run heavy. They're emphasizing running the football. So the Saints, like, okay, we're drafting to win this division. We're supposed to win this division, so we're going to draft to stop the run. And so the first two overall picks that they had in their class were D linemen for that reason. You know, and you add them to a D line is already pretty solid. So it's just interesting to see these teams. It's like they draft off of each other a little bit in a way. Um, the Bryce Young pick, man, I mean, I like Bryce Young. I love him. I love his game. I just don't think it's going to translate well to the NFL. I really don't. And I, I stand on that. Bryce Young is one of those those quarterbacks where I feel like he's like Tua, in my opinion. Tua Tunga Bailoa with Miami. Because Tua, solid, good quarterback coming out. But Tua didn't become – Tua like that and really thrive until you built around him. Till you got him two Lambos on either side of him with Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. Until you started building up and put more speed on that offense with someone like Raheem Mostert uh, in the backfield as well, the running back. Um, and building up that defense where now you've got Jalen Ramsey and Xavier Howard. Uh, and I think they just drafted uh, – who, who was the cornerback the they drafted? They drafted a cornerback that I thought was a great move. I want to say it may have been uh, Cam Smith, I think it was, out of South Carolina. They went and got Cam Smith. They got Javon Hall in that defense. You got Bradley Chubb um, and another D lineman. I'm slipping his name right now. But they, they built up the defense. And you, you build a team around Tua, right? Like Tua doesn't become Tua, and Tua doesn't thrive until you build a team around him. And that's where I feel Bryce is because Bryce is not going to do this on his own. He can't because his game doesn't translate well. Because of his size, there's different mechanics that he has that are not going to translate well to the league. There's things he did at Alabama he's not going to be able to do in the league, such as throwing guys off of him or getting away from guys. No, these guys are going to straight up hit you, and they're not going to allow you to create space. But they're going to close space with you and make contact and bring you down, right? And you know, for for him and his height issues and like his size, you know, I don't want to see this guy get rocked and you know sacked and take a lot of hits because I'm worried about his health. I really am. You know, the Panthers are going aerial attack, and they're trying to build around him. They lost D.J. Moore. They bring in Adam Thielen, the veteran uh, wide receiver from Minnesota, but emphasis on veteran, in my opinion. Bring in Miles Sanders from Philly at running back. Now you got Jonathan Mingo, a receiver. 
but it's going to take more. Like they're going to have to keep building around him to really get the the highest potential out of him. Question just is how high really is his ceiling in this situation? But overall, the draft was really fun, man. I mean, we had a great time. Uh, where we were at, we had a content house uh, that was kind of near Union Station at the train station uh, in Kansas City. And um, that, that was where we had a set that was kind of made up to have us sitting down and being on camera. We did a bunch of reactions, um, you know, night one to all the first round picks. Uh, night two, we did the live stream, which you can go check out on the Draft Network uh, YouTube page and see myself and other analysts. Um, but we did that throughout night two. And night three, we did some uh, just reaction videos, but spent some time uh, day three, sorry, day three um, at the draft itself, just going around and interviewing fans and asking them how they felt about their uh, their first round picks and just picks overall uh, throughout this weekend. Uh, there's a video of myself going around interviewing, just having fun the, at the NFL fan experience. Your boy was looking clean, man. I, I had the shades on, the chain out. It was a beautiful day. Go check that out because the boy was looking good. But uh yeah, it was, it was a great time there, and uh, shout-out, too, to all the Northwestern guys, man. Uh, all my former teammates who got drafted, Peter Skaronski was really happy to to see him go to the um, to the Tennessee Titans in the first round. At the time, Wadabuare, obviously, he was here on the show uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, was really I, I was disappointed the fact that he fell to the fourth round, uh, but I'm not worried because I know Tommy has a lot to prove. Um now, not not a lot to prove, but like he's already proven a lot, and he's going to continue. He's got that attitude that he has a lot to prove. And not that he's going out there to prove everybody else wrong. He's going out to prove himself right. And that's why I'm super excited for him. Um, you know, he he ran well in that stadium already when he um, he performed well at the Combine in Indianapolis. So he's a Colt. Uh, Evan Hull, congratulations to him as well. He's a Colt as well. So the two of them headed down to Indianapolis together to go play. Um, and then uh, shout out to my boy Cam Mitchell as well, uh, the cornerback out of Northwestern, going to pair with uh, my old teammate Greg Newsom. Um, you know, those were two two guys, two Illinois guys who came up together. Um, and, you know, played together in college, obviously, uh, with me. And then now the opportunity to play together in the league is, is really special, right? So congratulations to those guys. Um, you know, a couple other Northwestern guys that were invited to mini camps and everything after the draft. So. Huge, huge opportunity throughout the weekend. Um, just some some last minute ones that come to mind. Uh, Anthony Richardson to the Colts, love that pick. I'm really excited for what he has for him in that offense. He's got some big threats to throw to Michael Pittman, uh, Alec Pierce, uh, Jonathan Taylor's coming back in that backfield. Evan Holes in that backfield now, um, and you got a, a head coach in Shane Steichen, the former OC from Philadelphia, who's worked with a, a mobile quarterback in Jalen Hurts. So I'm really excited to see what he does with. Uh, with Anthony Richardson and scheme of a bunch of stuff for him. But Anthony Richardson, I've been saying that he's high risk, high reward and athletic freak. As long as he works on his mechanics, he's going to be special. Um, also talk about uh, Will Levis. Will Levis fell to the second round, which I think was shocking to everybody because I'm, I'm not the biggest Will Levis guy. I've, I've spoken on that and been very honest about that, but I did think he'd still go in the first round. He didn't. So, uh, but Mike Vrabel said, as as of Monday, Ryan Tannehill is our starter. Malik Willis is our our second string. Will Levis is our third string. After that, everything is up to them, right? So that job is kind of wide open. I expect that Will Levis is coming in there to start. Um, I think that the Titans are kind of past the Malik Malik Willis experiment already, and you know Ryan Tannehill's days are numbered. So I think that that Will Levis is going to be the guy here moving forward. My question is, how long does it last? And I really don't think it will last long, but that's just me. Um, 
obviously we touched on B. John Robinson. C.J. Stroud went second overall to the Houston Texans, and then the Texans traded up and then got uh, linebacker Will Will Anderson Jr. out of um, uh, Alabama at the number three picks. So they went back to back and really did well with that. Texans had a good draft overall. They went and got um, Nathaniel Tank Dell out of the University of Houston, so he stays right there in the city. And uh, it was another threat for C.J. Stroud. You got John Mechie coming back already on their roster. So the Houston Texans did really well, um, you know, in the draft overall. And I was uh, really happy with what they did. Uh, as I talked about, uh, my Baltimore Ravens felt like they did well. Um, just a lot of a lot of great experiences this weekend, man, and, you know, meeting people, seeing all the fans. Uh, the draft really is a one-of-a-kind experience. Uh, Kansas City, it's it's an interesting place. I'll say that. They, they had good barbecue. I'll give them that. <laughs> um but uh yeah it's interesting place uh i can't say that i would go back i don't know when i'll ever go back but it was nice it was nice for a weekend but i'll stop it right as a weekend i don't think i'll ever go any longer than that so but no it was a great experience real thankful to the uh to draft network for for taking me out there and having the experience to um you know see all that and do all that i did uh but continue to check out stuff man uh on on third and forever with tyler haskins on Twitter at T underscore Hask, that's H-A-S-K 21. Uh, and then on TikTok as well at 3rd and Forever T Haskins. You can also go and check out a lot of my stuff with the Draft Network as well. That's on the Draft Network uh, Twitter page and Instagram page as well to see content of me, you know, around the fan, the NFL fan experience at the draft in Kansas City this past weekend, interviewing fans, a lot of my content of reaction videos um, and my thoughts on a lot of draft picks and draft classes. So continue to go check that stuff out, man. Um, but appreciate y'all always tuning in. Continue to rate and review and, um, you know, just interact, man. Let me know uh, what you guys want to hear more about, what you want to talk about. Uh, and as always, if you just want me to shut up, just stop talking at all, please let me know. But um, appreciate y'all always tuning in. Keep it locked at 30 forever. And we'll talk to y'all later this week. Peace. This has been Third and Forever starring Tyler Haskins.